Hey, Bankless Nation. Happy second week of July. What time is it, David? It is Friday, weekly roll-up time, where we take the whole entire week in crypto and condense it down into one single episode. Ryan, I'm actually particularly stoked for this weekly roll-up episode because so much stuff happened in the last week. There's so much stuff to talk about, so much stuff to cover. And so we are going to go through all of it with the Bankless Nation. This is going to be a tricky one to condense because, as you said, there is so much to talk about, but let's get into it. If you're new to the roll-ups, they come out every Friday morning, and our job is to boil this down into markets, releases, news, takes what we're excited about, and we end with the meme of the week. We hope you enjoy this. It comes out on YouTube and also on the podcast. David, before we get into it, we've got to talk about something big that is coming to crypto. That is the Smart Contract Summit that is happening August 5th to August 7th. And this is like, um, it's it's put on by the, the folks at Chainlink, but this is almost like a free DeFi conference because everybody's going to be there. They're having like 200 different projects discussing mm -hmm. DeFi, NFTs, blockchain. They're talking about MEV. We're going to be talking about Layer 2. David, you and I are going to be mm -hmm. there. We have a special panel that we've got lined up on EIP-1559, which hopefully on August 5th will have just happened by the time we do this panel. Uh, I'm super stoked about this. It's going to be EIP 1559 week, and this is going to be part of the weekly orchestra of EIP 1559 content going out that week. So definitely stay tuned to the Smart Contract Summit. Get a ticket or sign, sign up. Uh, the tickets are free, so sign up for one and get and watch the EIP panel that Ryan and I put on. We will have a link in the show notes to the Smart Contract Summit so you can hook yourself up. Once again, a free conference, like a, a two-day conference, huge value in that, uh, and um, it's going to be happening here soon. One other thing we should talk about, David, is the staking services panel that we did last night. It was super late for me, but this mm -hmm. panel was definitely worth the wait. Uh, do you want to give folks a preview? Yeah, so we did this uh, 8 p.m. last night for my time, 11 p.m. for Ryan's time yesterday. And, and the reason why it was so late is because ETH staking is a global phenomenon. Therefore, these staking as a service providers are found all across the globe. So we brought on Darren Langley from Rocket Pool, who's from Australia. We brought on Vasily uh, Shapalilov from, I actually don't know where he's from, I think Eastern Europe. Uh, and then we also brought Ejaz e from Coinbase. And so we have three different staking as a service providers coming and giving their pitches, their opinions, their approach towards staking ETH. And there was a, a ton of knowledge got dropped there. Uh, definitely check that out. That is a panel that you do not want to miss. It went out on the podcast yesterday morning and uh, YouTube uh, yesterday evening as well. Uh, so definitely watch that. Once again, it'll be in the show notes. All right, David, you ready to get to markets? Let's start with Bitcoin price. Bitcoin price started the week at $32,000, went to the high highs of $34,500, and is now down to the low lows of $31,800. Uh, is this more crab season, or are we starting to get into bear season? This is like, uh, I, hope it's season? I hope it's crab season still. I still mm. hope it, because it's starting to like, you know, push on that bottom boundary of crab season, right? It's starting to be like, ooh, crab, crab bears. I still feel crab like uh, Bitcoiners... Arms. Bitcoiners feel okay as long as it's above 30K and uh, Ethereans feel okay as long as price is above uh, 2K. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we're there yet for mm -hmm. Ether. We'll talk about that in a second. But you know what has been growing on Bitcoin is capacity in Lightning. So this is actually some fairly decent 
growth, a growth rate, I would say, mm-hmm. over the last um, 40 days or so in Lightning, there's 1,800 Bitcoin in Lightning as of right now. What's your take? Uh, yeah, we Bitcoiners pay attention to, to Lightning Network. And so seeing that growth actually follow through is really important. At the end of the day, this is like one micro strategy purchase worth of Bitcoins in the Lightning Network. So like still small numbers, but fast growth rate. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and um, let's talk about Ether now. So ETH price, we are below 2000. So ETH, ETH, ETH bull's not feeling great. ETH yeah. holder's not feeling great. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we're dipping into a little more of that um, bear with crab arms or crabs with bear arms or whatever you just <laughs> said. Uh, what's what's your take on ETH price? Yeah, ETH price started the week at $2,100, got up to a high of $2,175, so really didn't have any much of an interweek momentum. Uh, and now we have fallen down below the $2,000 level, currently at $1,925. Crab with bear arms. Crab with bear arms. <laughs> Crab with bear arms. All right. You know why I find it hard to be bearish? There's lots of reasons, but here's one of them. Uh, Ether this year is on track to do eight trillion in settlement value transactions. Eight trillion, large number, on its network in 2021. That's absolutely incredible. This is like a three or four x of of PayPal, and these numbers are absolutely staggering. Like a huge chunk of this, probably 50 percent or so, is settlement in ETH, denominated in ETH. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest is in stable coins. I'm not sure if this even includes, I don't think it includes all of the, the tokens, tokens right. on Ethereum, which would put these numbers even higher. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about this. Right. Like this is becoming the, the a settlement network for the world, bigger right. than PayPal. And still mainstream doesn't know the word Ethereum. This is why I find it so hard to be bearish when I see metrics like this. Yeah, price does not matter here. Like settlement value, settlement speed, settlement volume, going up and to the right, it doesn't matter what price is. Stable coins don't change in value. And even with Ether dropping in value, the value of Ether being transferred keeps going up. Uh, you know, keep in mind, EIP-1559 directly translates this settlement volume into ETH scarcity. Uh, and so while we are seeing crabs with bear arms, we are also seeing lots and lots of economic activity on Ethereum, which would ultimately lead into Ether fundamentals. I know we're not going to talk about EIP-1559 and all Definitely this. Definitely not. Right? I don't even know nope. what that is. Yeah, no, no, no more talk of that. Okay, let's go to um, ETH and the Bitcoin ratio. So mm-hmm. where's the ratio hanging this we week? We are just above 0.06. And so ETH BTC is in straight up crab season with crab arms. No, no bear arms there, uh, but it, it is bouncing between that 0.055 and that 0.07 level. Um, not really much of a story here. It's not going down, not, not going up. It would be nice to see ETH hold that 0.06 level, which would set a higher low um, versus the 0.055 that we set right before July, at the end of June. Um, but other than that, uh, neutral, neutral territory. You kind of need, as we discussed last rollups, you kind of need ETH to run if right. we are going to remain in a bull market. Uh, definitely feel that way. Let's talk about total locked value in DeFi. This is crab, crab arms, Crabs. crab, crab with crab just, arms, just hanging out. Fifty-five billion. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've been at the in, in the fifty billions or so for quite a long time, right. and I guess we have the, the well, north side. Fifty-five and above, I think, has been like pretty pretty common ever since uh, you know the the mania kind of left the markets. Mania left. Uh, that was May. That was May when we hit all-time highs of close to 90 yeah. billion Good times. in total Good locked times. value. Remember those days? <laughs> Remember those days? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be back. Don't worry. 
All right, let's talk about DeFi tokens. The DeFi Pulse Index mm. this week, where are we and where did we start? We're down on the week, it looks like. They're down on the week. I think the, the start of the week, we saw, I think, $320, and we are now down to $280, so down on the week down 16% or so. Um, but let's let's take a look at uh, usage because this is such a cool metric. Oh, uh, these these things never line up. Prices and fundamentals are not ever aligned. This it's like the they're oil and this water the in this thing. industry. Look, th this is the thing. I you know, I, I tweeted this out the other day. It's like don't ex don't join crypto and expect to be a millionaire overnight. Right. Like just be patient. Mm -hmm. The big moves happen in just a few days. You have to be in the mm -hmm. market during those those big moves. And when you see fundamentals like this, why would you exit the market? Right. I just don't understand. Like, right. oh, we haven't even talked about what the fundamental is. Three million DeFi <laughs> users. That's what it is. DeFi we users. we now have three million DeFi users. When we when I first started um, talking about this metric, David, when we were talking about it originally, Richard Chen used to put these out. It was at like 150k, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's about the size of a you know a small American city, right?" And then it grew to like a million. We're starting like a you know hmm. a decent size mm -hmm. metro mm -hmm. yeah, type right. season. Mm -hmm. Now we're at three million, right. right? So we're creeping up to like New York City levels. And, mm -hmm. and beyond. And pretty soon this number is going to be the size of like a country, right. size of Canada or something, size of Australia, but like mm -hmm. 3 million DeFi users. This is not active. This is not um, number of addresses. This is actually uh, DeFi users. Um, I believe cumulative DeFi users. I U think unique Richard addresses. And so there's yes. probably less humans, um, yes. but still, uh, it's still bank you know, accounts. Mm -hmm. Call it bank accounts. The, the trend is phenomenal. Accounts. The trend is what's important, which is you know, up and to the right. The last time yep. Richard Chen tweeted out one of these, and he's you know keeps on retweeting his own tweets of the last milestone we made. Two million DeFi users came in April twenty fifth, and three million DeFi users came July twelfth. So the rate of growth is impressive. To what you were saying at the beginning of this segment, Ryan, where you were talking about how like people you people come into the world of crypto, but they say, "Oh, look at the uh, like insanely strong fundamentals behind this asset. I'm going to buy it, and then I'm going to become rich." Get in line, buddy. Like they all have good <laughs> fundamentals. We're all waiting to become rich. Like every single thing. Like, there's so many things that we talk about in the bankless world have awesome fundamentals. It just takes a lot of time for the world to figure it out. Yes, it takes a lot of time, and yet it doesn't take that much time. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. It, in hindsight, like, it wouldn't. Yeah. Wait a year. Wait two years. Right. right? Like uh, these fundamentals are gonna are gonna catch up. The market's gonna catch up with these. All right. Let's talk about what you love. Maybe you like this this week. The DPI, the DPI to ETH mm -hmm. um, ratio index. I guess it's above your number, so you're yeah, feeling. Okay you guess? Yeah. It, it definitely is. Yes. <laughs> I am, you know, claiming victory left and right here so far. Like <laughs> I, I know it dipped down, but like 0.13 is the number, and like I, I'm sticking by. When it, it dips below 0 0.12, you're not even going to show up that week, are you? You're just going to like rage quit <laughs> the I podcast. I can't do the roll ups. I feel kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're hanging in there, but um, no moves. It's definitely not uh, D DeFi season. It's not, it's not, yeah, not, we're, we're, not, we're not bullish, but uh, your boy's just excited that 0.13 <laughs> is still a really good number to call. Okay. All right. And once again, that, that tracks um, DeFi relative to the price of uh, ETH mm -hmm. um, through the DPI index. David, let's talk about this. This token has been on an absolute tear. We had Axie Infinity on. We didn't really discuss price right. at all. Mm -hmm. We're just talking number of users. We had them on um, State of the Nation on mm -hmm. Tuesday. 
But look at their token price, dude. Yeah, it has the market cap has just absolutely exploded. What was it right before it jumped? The market cap was two hundred and fifty million dollars to where it is today at one point five billion dollars. It was at two hundred and fifty million dollars, uh, just like I think at the end of June. I think if I'm reading that char uh, chart, yeah, at at the at the twenty seventh of June, it was at a quarter billion dollars. Now it's at one point five billion dollars. That is insane growth. I want to check this out. Let's let's go to a year ago. What you could have bought AXS. Mm -hmm. This was oh don't um, no. We don't need to do that. No no. no. I want to see this. We need to see this. We need to appreciate this. This is what uh, is this, this is what ago? this could have been you. This could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Like mm -hmm. so, the end of a DeFi summer. I guess it wasn't out yet, but it's like right. it, DeFi summer was over, and we we're in kind of this lull period. November 2020. Market cap of AXS tokens seven million. Right. Wow. Seven, seven million. Seven million. Uh, Got to find a, those gems. A year and a half ago. Wow. Got to bet on the communities wow. before everybody else knows about them. Mm. Uh, and they is, were hustling. They were. This building. is why it pays to use DeFi. Like if if you just even had like I don't know what would a hundred dollars have gotten you? It would it would have turned a hundred dollars would have turned into like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Quick yeah, math, I'm not, I'm not I think you're doing quite well if if you're buying axes in November, December of mm -hmm. uh, of last year when the market didn't think much of them. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Maybe that's a sad story for some who mm -hmm. are not in AXS. Um, fully diluted valuation divided by monthly volume per dex. This is an interesting index from Richard Chen. What's this about, David? Yeah, so this is a comparison of uh, dexes on Ethereum, and it compare it divides the volume that, or the excuse me, the valuation, the fully diluted valuation of the token divided by the volume going through the exchange. Uh, and so this kind of just tells you the valuation over volume ratio. Uh, and so Richard has uh, compared against you know all the common dexes that we know: zero x, sushi swap, Bancor, Uniswap, Curve, Balancer, Kyber, and he's organized it against like the the ratio of how much volume versus how valued the project is. Zero uh, X coming in on top, followed by Sushi Swap as ex uh, extremely favorable volume to market cap ratios. And then coming in last is Balancer and Kyber, as in uh, a, a, a high ratio of market cap versus total volume going through the system. Uh, so potentially overvalued on this metric versus on this one particular metric swap right. are potentially undervalued on this metric, which right. is interesting to look at. I, I love that we're getting more granular in mm -hmm. our sort of valuation metrics for this asset class, um, particularly mm -hmm. exchanges. It's super cool. Um, I wanted to show this off too, David. This is a website called deepdow.io. These are the people that are most active in governance. You know, on Bankless, the newsletter, you remember that newsletter we have, David? What? Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. You should subscribe if yeah. you haven't. Uh, have check we, that out. We published a post. It was called, um, well, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about building your your DeFi, building your uh, resume on mm -hmm. Ethereum. Is the idea that your Ethereum address is your resume. And this is what I see. This is uh, the, the people in governance who have uh, the most number of proposals, most number of votes, mm -hmm. are involved in the most number of DAOs. And this is like a leaderboard, mm -hmm. right, for them. So we've got a person by the name of Van Gist, We've got um, Peter Pan, whom we know, mm -hmm. had on Bankless. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Koopa Troopa. He's number four. We've had him on Bankless before. Um, top top tokens, of, Bankless DAO. Nice. All right. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, it's super cool to see that some of these DAO participants are, mm -hmm. are getting recognized on a leaderboard. This, totally. Start thinking about this as your new resume, your new digital reputation, right? Like back to the Josh Rosenthal episode, 
you know, new Medici, right. the, the crypto Medici, this is the crypto renaissance. What, what are you doing to build your resume? Um, mm. These people are, are building it through participating in governance, participating in DAOs. And um, you're being recognized for this because right. all of this is open, can be mm. displayed in these kind of leaderboards and, and benchmarks. Super cool. Yeah, the right takeaway is that if you work and contribute to DAOs, you get noticed to the point where somebody will make a website and put you on a leaderboard. That's pretty crazy. Here's a little bit of uh, Ethereum trivia for you, for the listener. Also, this will become relevant when we do trivia at Top Signal in the future. That's going to happen. Peter Pan, number two on the leaderboard, uh, the author of the uh, Before Bitcoin series, which we read on on Bankless a while ago. Uh, He was actually, he applied to become a Moloch DAO member, which was kind of like, you know, the original DAO that really spawned the DAO revolution. Uh, he applied to become a Moloch DAO member and was actually rejected by the Moloch DAO committee. Uh, and then he turned into one of the greatest DAOers of all time. So <laughs> Moloch DAO definitely did not make the right choice on that one. <laughs> like yeah, he eventually got, mem- he eventually did get membership into the DAO, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he, he is absolutely um, DAOing it up and become quite good and become a thought leader in the space. So mm-hmm. super cool. All right, guys, we are going to get to the releases in a moment and the news and all of the other exciting things on the roll-up. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Living a bankless life requires taking control of your own private keys, not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallets, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite dApps all in one place, Ledger is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into decentralized exchange aggregators like Paraswap, which makes sure that you are getting the best prices on your trades without your assets ever leaving your control. DeFi never stops growing and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has and stay tuned as more and more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab your Ledger, download Ledger Live and get all of your dApps all in one place. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi. If you've been using Ethereum for the past 12 months, you've probably noticed the high gas fees and the slow confirmation times that have been plaguing DeFi. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. That's where Arbitrum comes in. Arbitrum is a layer two to Ethereum, which means Arbitrum can increase Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and make an overall better experience for your users, go to developer.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. If you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps building on Arbitrum. Arbitrum has been working with over 300 teams, including Ethereum's top infrastructure projects, and will be opening up to all users shortly. There are so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so you may want to pack your bags in preparation for the great migration to the Arbitrum Layer 2. To keep up to speed with Arbitrum, follow them on Twitter at Arbitrum and join their Discord. All right, guys, we are back talking about the hot releases. David, we have to start here. This one's Uniswap hot. V3 on Optimism. We've been waiting for this for mm-hmm. months, years even. 
And now it's here, Uniswap on its own layer two, and you can actually use it today. In fact, you used it, didn't I've you? I've used it. I've used it. And it How is was it? positively glorious. Oh, Is this a video gosh. of you using it? This is a video of me using it in real time, by the way. So this is ah. not sped up. And so you can kind of see my mouse, like erratic mouse movements as I'm kind of thinking like, oh. No, no, it, you're just excited. You I'm, can't I control am just yourself. excited. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, and so I made five swaps on Uniswap. I traded like $200 of ETH or $350 of ETH to die to ETH to die to ETH to die. I did, wasn't even trying to be fast. I was just doing it just to do it. I made five swaps in under like 30 seconds. And that was just uh, me tinkering around, right? And the yeah. cool thing is, is like, as soon as I hit confirm, it's done. It's How much done. Did it's cost? Uh, as well. Okay, so the, the gas cost to get my ether into Optimism cost me about nineteen. You got nineteen. You got across the bridge. Got across the bridge. Get over so that cost me nineteen dollars at thirty nine guay. I think so. Guay price not too high, not too low. Cost me. And that's the most expensive part. That's the most expensive part. Uh, and then each, each swap cost me like point zero 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 something ETH. So like there was like, f I think there were four zeros before <laughs> the first number of ETH transfer fees on wow. Optimism. And so swaps were costing me pennies and they were going instantly. The cool thing, and, and here's what I, I, th I think, this is unconfirmed, this is my speculation, but when I hit the swap button and then confirm on MetaMask, the website UI already showed it as completed. Right, and so the the website sh UI showed it instantly, and I think they are doing a clever little hack where they are saying it's completed, even regardless of whether it's actually going to the Optimism chain or not. But that's the power of optimistic rollups because as soon as you sign the transaction, the strength of the settlement assurances allows the website front end to just say that it was completed regardless of whether it checked or not because it has such strong assurances. I'm speculating on whether that's true or not. Maybe they are actually talking to an endpoint and getting a confirmation. Like, yes, the transaction was included into blockchain, but it happens so fast that I think they just skipped that step because they have such strong settlement assurances that it actually did get included. So they can just say that to you, the user, yeah, your transaction went through. You know, this is this is super cool. And I haven't used Optimism yet, but it's mm -hmm. got to feel like a, a similar experience like on on Polygon, which which I have used, is it, it feels like um, a bandwidth upgrade, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like mm -hmm. you're on an old, like, I don't know, 56K modem. You're using these websites and suddenly you get broadband right. cable modem. And then it's the same thing, except mm -hmm. it loads 10x, 20x faster, right? I think I it, think that's a good metaphor, but uh polygon feels like the broadband moment, and this feels like fiber optics. Because what? because when you press the button, it's done. It's already <laughs> done. With polygon, you actually have to wait a few seconds. You know like, the other thing I used to be worried about with this mm -hmm. is I don't know, have you withdrawn anything yet? Or so, so they have yeah. a little uh, bug on their on their withdrawal bridge. Uh, I, so I wasn't actually able to withdraw because if you hit the withdraw button, it sent me into this loop where I needed to pick the network. But once I picked the, the wrong network, it, it, there was a bug in this, the UI. Is this a UI bug? It's okay. a UI bug, yeah. And okay. so I'm not technical enough to yet, fix it. Yeah, we haven't withdrawn I, yet. I used to be more worried about that like crossing the chasm because mm -hmm. you know you pay $20 to mm -hmm. get across the bridge. Low gas prices. Right. I mean, that could be like, Fifty dollars. That could be a hundred. That could right. be an impediment. Right. But after our conversation with uh, Arbitrum, I realized that this is there's going to be so many other bridges mm -hmm. into these rollups. Right. The main bridge, maybe the most um, trustless bridge, censorship resistant bridge, will be the bridge that you used. But right. bridges from exchanges are coming. Right. Like directly fiat, directly ETH from an exchange 
into optimism that's coming um bridges from other chains like a polygon for instance to optimism that's coming we're going to talk about that in the releases so i'm way less worried about this and um it's super exciting now david correct me if i'm wrong but optimism isn't like generally available they are sort of going through a process of kind of permissioning and rolling out uh DeFi apps one at a time is that right that is correct. And so uh, Uniswap coming first because it's one of the easiest things to deploy. Uniswap doesn't really need any other infrastructure. Um, we have more to talk about with Optimism further on in the rollup, but Synthetics is also coming as well as some infrastructure projects as well. Um, before we go on, Ryan, there's actually so much more to talk about. Uh, you, you talked about how the, the bridge, uh, you know, the Optimism bridge, the Optimism bridge is like the bridge of last resort, right? In the future, right? Like the bridge needs to exist. The Optimism bridge needs to exist. But that needs to exist so that if other bridges that are going Fail. to spin up, which we also are going to talk about in this weekly rollup, if those don't work, you have the option of using the Optimism Bridge. The Optimism Bridge existing is just to have the option, you know, the ability to escape under your own terms. And then other service providers, other bridge operators, again, who we're going to talk about in this weekly rollup, are going to offer better experiences, better, uh, you know, better times, better speeds, perhaps even better fees. I don't know. Uh, uh, but they will be able to compete for you to use their bridge. But if they are malicious, if they go down, if they break, whatever, you have the option of using the Optimism Bridge uh, with with the slowest withdrawal periods of seven days and uh, not super duper fast uh, deposit periods of like, I think, 20 or 30 blocks. Um, so that's what's up with that. Yeah. Um, and there's also a decent amount of, uh, if, actually, if you scroll down in this twi uh, tweet, and, and we'll link the tweet in the show notes. First off, there's a meme. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and then there was also a decent amount of uh, communication. Uh, Nick Kunkel from the MakerDAO, he talked about how there's a, the, already the, the DAI bridge is getting spin up and running. Uh, maybe it's not showing here, but um, there, uh, like MakerDAO already has plans to build like the super fast DAI bridge. Uh, so there's already plans to like have multiple bridges on and off optimism. I just think this is the this is the theme for the per first part of releases, David. You me you mentioned synthetics; they are launching on Optimism, the full synthetics um, platform, I believe, and that is coming possibly uh, the week of July twenty sixth. Mm -hmm. So this is coming governance. So we've got Uniswap, synthetics will be number two. I think um, Optimism will will go more generally available a little bit later, but they are permissioning uh, apps one at a time. We also have this, David, which is getting back to these bridges. Some of these, this is Hop Protocol. So Hop Protocol has officially announced the Hop Bridge. They're starting with instant USDC transfers between Ethereum, Polygon, and XDAI. So two side chains and Ethereum obviously expand to Arbitrum Optimism as, as layer twos. And this provides the ability not to, you don't even have to go to mainnet. You could just move your USDC assets directly from Polygon to, to XDAI or in the future directly from Polygon to Optimism if you want. Uh, and this is super cool. And I believe um, State Channels is actually the technology behind uh, Hop Protocol. The the In the future, when we say like, oh yeah, I used to have all my assets and do all my trading on the L1, that's going to be such a crazy statement in the future. There's so much infrastructure getting built out. That means we will never actually have to touch the L1. Like the L1, the floor is lava. Like you don't got to touch it. Like you can just go from sidechain to L2 to sidechain to L2, all using payment channels. We'll never actually touch the L1 anymore. No, the, the roll-ups will be touching it. Um, yes. And this is... Thing, again, I was worried about that is diminishing over time, which is like a, a couple of years ago, 
sort of realized that the entirety of DeFi would need to be re-architected mm-hmm. on layer two. Right. But it's happening. Look, mm-hmm. Gnosis Safe. Gnosis Safe is live on layer twos. So they deployed on Polygon, Binance Smart Chain. These are not layer twos. We call them side chains, XDAI, but also Arbitrum coming soon, mm-hmm. then Optimism. Mm-hmm. So that's some key infrastructure that we need. We've got Coinbase Wallet now supporting Polygon. So you can actually switch from the Ethereum mainnet to Polygon. You also see the Optimism mainnet there. So we're getting wallet support. Um, We also have the SET protocol launching on Polygon. So you can buy your DPI and in the future, Mm -hmm. your bed index, guys, coming soon uh, on the Polygon network as well. I'm just running through these. And Infura is now supporting Arbitrum too. So the process of DeFi being re-architected on layer two, it's happening like right before our eyes. And um, it's going pretty well so far. Imagine being an ETH killer right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's all I have to say. I can't imagine. (laughs) I cannot imagine. Nor would I want to. I mean, the prices are doing okay though. For now. Fundamentals and prices are separate things as we know. As we know. Okay, Uh, so where are we now? Let's talk about this. Dow Jones is launching, just launched five crypto indices. You know what's weird about this, David, is so... First of all, um, this is uh, the S&P Dow Jones indices. So this is a big deal, right? Like every, everywhere here, index quoted for stocks, it's like the S&P 500 or Dow, Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now these indices players are coming into uh, crypto and they're creating indexes of their own. What's super weird is I have like no visibility into what these things are. Right. I, like clicking around, trying to find actually what these indexes are composed of. And it's very difficult. Um, what, what, we, we couldn't find the answer. We spent like 10 minutes trying to figure it out before the show. We couldn't find it. And what was crazy is just there's such a contrast between open finance. Like if you want to peek into what is inside of the DPI, that's, that's um, you know, the token set technology, that's index co-ops um, index, you can see exactly what it's composed of in real time. And you could verify that and check that on chain. Um, for these indexes, you have to... I don't know, dig through their methodology, I, dig through their call docs. customer support. I don't know. I don't know either. It like just the, seems the, 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 the categories are a large cap index, and then they have another index that excludes Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then they have another index that excludes Bitcoin and Ethereum and other large caps. So I think it's like different scales of market cap. But again, just tell us what they are. And also yeah. the weighting, <laughs> like what's going on here? Like I, I guess DeFi Pulse and co- Index Co-op are leagues ahead of you guys, and you guys have been doing this for centuries. Yeah, well, it's just they're 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 building it on on close finance and traditional finance, and that's yeah. the constraint there. But I guess it is a big deal that um, S and P continues to come up with these indices and, and mainstream crypto. So it's they're trying. Cool. They're trying their best. <laughs> they're trying. They're doing it. Work Good harder. Job, Work faster, guys. All right, Nifty Island. What what's this? So Nifty Island is a new game, a game verse is what they're calling it. And it's a place for you to take all your NFTs and put them on your island. So uh, in crypto, we all want to get our islands. Uh, now you can go get your island and you can put all your NFTs there. And so it's a place, it's a, a, a virtual world, a metaverse world where you can physically place all of your crazy, awesome NFTs that you want to show off all of your friends. Uh, and I think the, the grand vision is much more uh, you know, grand than that. It, it goes and goes, uh, goes from there. Um, but the idea is that this is a, a game, uh, a physical or no, a virtual reality, virtual world, where you can come and put all of your NFTs. And so you can go and 
check out other people's NFTs, go to other people's islands. The, the vibe I'm getting is kind of like a second life type of game where you actually like exist in this virtual world and you can go from place to place. Uh, and then you can have your own island with all of your own NFTs. Look at this. This is appealing. Millionaires will be made in the metaverse. Mm. So David, David, come to my... Um... Come to your my millionaire island, island, yeah. Millionaire mm-hmm. island, and check out all my. Uh, my I want to. I want to go island. to DC Investors Island because I think his his island is probably yeah, you pretty. You can't dope. afford to get to his island. Yeah. <laughs> DC That's will exclusive. let me into his island. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Um, ultrasound money. Ultrasound dot money is now a website. Wow, mm-hmm. the meme became a website and a nice website at that. I don't even know who's behind this, but um, good job, whoever mm-hmm. is behind the ultrasound money website. This is displaying. We have 19 days, 22 hours before EIP 1559, mm. which we weren't going to say in the show, but we absolutely have to. Um, this is a chart of the total ETH supply over time with projections. Uh, you can you can dial this up or dial this down based on assumptions around staking amounts, based on gas price. Really great user interface for this. And then you could join the 1,672 uh, 1, members who are wearing the bat signal in, I guess, their social media profile. Twitter, I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. You're there. Um, super cool. I This is a cool place to send people when they ask about ETH's monetary policy because it just sort of sparks the conversation and displays in real time what is about to happen. I think this is really just illustrates how much excitement and energy there is behind the ultrasound money meme. At the end of the day, memes are memes, but also in crypto, memes are also fundamentals. And so this is just a really strong indicator that the ultrasound money meme is turning into real website infrastructure to help you to help support the metrics and the ultrasoundness behind the ultrasound money meme. Uh, and so after, you know, after 19 days, after EIP 1559 gets integrated, I'm excited to see what this website turns into, right? Because now the next step is the merge. Uh, and so I think this is just going to be a website that really uh, illustrates this ultrasoundness behind ultrasound money. Absolutely. And it, it definitely projects, um, as Justin Drake has, has said, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll never have above 120 million ETH, and is, which is very likely. So super cool. All right, um, let's let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. The Infinite Garden. This is a documentary, like a movie yeah. that somebody is making about Ethereum. Um, they're going to be talking to like folks like Vitalik, people in the Ethereum ecosystem. What's this about? Yeah, so this is uh, exactly as you just said. There's a, a documentary being crowdfunded on the Mirror platform, which is pretty cool, uh, with illustrations uh, coming from People Pleaser, the uh, the artist that made the Uniswap NFT uh, X times Y equals K uh, NFT, which is the thing that started off the People Pleaser DAO, uh, and so now she has been uh, on, been recruited by this uh, uh, documentary, t- this team making this documentary to make uh, Ethereum's first movie, which I am absolutely stoked David. for. David, do you notice this, dude? I just noticed this. Yeah, who's yeah. that in the corner? That's that's Kevin Owaki. We might be in this. Yeah, that's Kevin Owaki probably doing our uh, State of the Nation with him. Yeah, so we were on the if other Kevin side Iwaki, of the computer. Yeah, we were we're on the other side. Maybe we'll get it. Um, maybe there'll be a cameo. <laughs> God, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. I'd be so excited. Anyways, about I've that. I've Very always cool. wanted more more documentaries, more Ethereum content, like more high production value stuff because I think there's just there's more attention needs to come to this space. Obviously, I believe this. Um, and I'm glad to see some like high production uh, efforts being made to you know tell this story of Ethereum. It's a really good Absolutely. story. So many cool stories coming out of Ethereum. All right, let's uh, breeze through the raises really quick. This has been like raise week. So mm-hmm. Superfluid uh, has raised $9 million. This is kind of a real-time finance protocol. 
Um, basically, you can do payroll, this sort of thing. It's all deployed on a, a layer two using stable coins, um, using a, essentially crypto infrastructure. Any thoughts here? Yeah, so this is this is a kind of a, an evolution on what um, uh, Sablier was trying to do, streaming payments, making payments as discrete as time itself. Uh, and so, you know, in Ethereum, we have 12 second blocks. On L2s, it goes even faster. Uh, and so there's no reason why pay periods need to be two weeks or, or any like, you know, time barrier like that. All of a sudden we have, we are able to link the concept of time and payments, time and value transfer. And that's what Superfluid is doing. Uh, disclosure, I am part of the seed investment team. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Uh, Connext raised $12 million as well in a, in some new funding um, this is similar to Hop in that it's it's providing chain to chain sort of mm -hmm. um, ch channels, chain to chain yeah. payment channels and, and transactions. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we were talking earlier about all these different bridges that are going to be spanning Ethereum and and Optimism and Arbitrum, Connects is one of those service providers. Connects is payment channel infrastructure. They've been around Ethereum for forever, working on payment channel technology kind of trying to figure out what the best place to apply it is. And, you know, Ethereum in its current form up until now really hasn't needed payment channels above and beyond really specific use cases. But as soon as we have like, you know, the Optimism chain, the, the Arbitrum chain, the Polygon chain, XDAI, like maybe even more Optimism chains, even more Arbitrum chains, because there can be many of those. All of a sudden we have like a whole entire net mesh network of layer twos. And it, we need more efficient ways to route orders between all of these L2s, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, 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 Connects is being the payment channels between all of these different chains, between Ethereum and L2s, L2s and L2s, L2s and side chains, uh, other other L1 blockchains. And so, uh, Connects as payment channel technology is finding, finally finding its place where it's really going to th uh, thrive. And uh, congrats to the race. We did a fantastic Meet the Nation with Arjun uh, Bhutani from Connects forever ago. Really, really good episode to understand payment channels and how they fit into Ethereum. Also disclosure, Ryan and I are both uh, seed investors into Connects Network. Congrats. Congrats to you, sir. <laughs> I'm going to say that on every single time. All right, Block Native as well. Mempool.eth, um, super cool. The Mempool is a dark forest. This mm -hmm. is basically the place all transactions go before they're fully processed. A lot of MEV takes place there. So these guys are providing visibility to DeFi protocols for this to help the DeFi protocols design a bit more tightly. Illuminating the dark forest. Right. Of, of the mempools is kind of how I'd summarize this. They just raised $12 million in uh, season at series A financing. So cool to see this infrastructure being built out and funded. So just what I was saying with all of these different L2s and side chains, each one has a mempool. Every single chain has its own unique mempool and block native is mempool infrastructure. So imagine a world where there's like a bajillion L2s. There's going to be multiple different ways to do from get to, to get to point A to point B, right? Like you have USDC on Arbitrum and you need to get DAI on Polygon. There's going to be like seven different routes to get there. Uh, and Block Native and its mempool infrastructure is going to help you or route your order across, you know, the hot protocol or connection network or like different different L2s, different different bridges. Uh, Block Native is going to find the most efficient route to tr make your point A to point B transaction the most efficient and, and most speedy. And that's what um, in the mempool infrastructure allows you to do. Disclosure, Ryan and I are also seed investors into Block Native. Congrats. <laughs> 
You beat me to it. Rug pull. <laughs> Good crap. All right. Uh, DeFi wallet phantom. Uh, the DeFi wallet phantom just raised 9 million Series A funding led by A16Z. This is not a wallet I've used before, and um, it has actually been deployed first on Solana. So I think that's where it's kind of made its initial home. Then it is going to uh, deploy on Ethereum here shortly, and also all the side chains, Polygon, Arbitrum, Optimism, ZK Sync, maybe give MetaMask uh, a run for its money. I'm not sure. It's cool to see this infrastructure funded, though. Um, pleased to see that for sure. Also, guys, crypto is, of course, hiring. Crypto is always hiring. Bankless just published a job board. There are some great positions on there, over 27 already. Uh, we've got a senior solidity engineer, Quant Finance. If you are a dev, check that out. Chief investment officer, CIO for Yield App, a software engineer for Arbitrum. Check that out too. Senior designer for Pool Together, editor and writer for Bankless. Got to plug that one. We are still looking for an editor or writer over to the jobs link in the show notes to check out all of those jobs. We update them on a daily basis and then also weekly expect um, fresh jobs. That was just the first five jobs. There are 27 total jobs on the job board. So definitely go check those out. Crypto is hiring. All these seed investments are being thrown around. There's money being thrown around in this industry. People are hiring to help build out this industry. That means you. Whatever, whatever the Ethereum version of Uncle Sam is, he wants you to come work for Ethereum. <laughs> yes, he does. And so go to the do jobs board and find a job. All right, David, let's get to some news. Um, let's start with this news. Uh -oh. So the news of the week was Uniswap's DeFi Education Fund and worries around this. I've been following this story a little bit. I know you've... Yeah. jumped into it. Why don't you give us the high level what what this story is about? Yeah, we covered this on the weekly roll-up, I think, two weeks ago. And so, you know, Uniswap has that massive treasury. Uh, and there was a uh, an education team that came together who want, wanted to get some funding out of the Uniswap treasury to help promote DeFi education to regulators, you know, institutions. I think I think more formal education rather than, than like what I would call whatever we are doing at Bankless, where like these people are going... Seem like a lot of lobbying as well. Lobbying, lobbying, I think, yeah. is a lobbying education type of things. Like, uh, you know, Jake Travinsky Educate from Compound was, was yeah. on there and he has, you know, a strong in interest in educating lawmakers. Uh, there seems to be a story here about how this group came together and uh, some of the decision-making behind the actual funds. Uh, and so um, the, the, there's a little bit of controversy with the actual proposal to Uniswap where the DeFi Education Fund proposed that they received uh, a half a, a 1 million uni tokens, which would be like 15, 20 million dollars total. Um, and they express intentions if they were to receive the uh, receive the money to sell it over time. Uh, there, there's also a little bit of controversy as in members of the DeFi Education Fund voted yes on their own proposal, which is totally kosher, but also just, you know, raise, raise some eyebrows. Um, and so then, then the DeFi Education Fund proposed uh, or indicated their intent to sell the uni token slowly over the next four to five years as soon as they got their hands on the actual tokens, because apparently the governance proposal passed, so they got their 1 million uni distributions, they sold 50% of them immediately uh, for 10.2 million USDC. Uh, and and so there's a little, that caused a, a bunch of hubbub, uh, and this has you know caused a bunch of controversy with DAO governance. And you know, is what's really going on here? Is there, 
has there actually been any malicious, you know, activities that's up for debate? Like, you know, people are communicating one thing and doing another thing. Is that really, is that bad? Is it what's going on here? People are confused and they're, they're all having their own, their own takes about it. But overall, this has caused a bunch of drama and controversy in the space. Yeah. So I guess the facts of the case were 20 million got funded for, um, education fund they said they were going to sell it over three to four years mm. it turned out 50 percent of that 20 million so 10 million mm -hmm. was actually insta sold insta like, sold yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh, fairly quickly and then there's also the concern that um some insiders maybe are benefiting from this right, right? so like and some whales within uniswap are kind of voting this in to sort of push it through um and i'm not sure the validity of of right. those concerns either but um like kobe had an interesting, uh, mm. <laughs> interesting proposal here. I like, I think it's satire, but it absolutely satire. <laughs> yeah. So what's this, what's this proposal? He, he published this on the Uniswap governance, um, form and, uh, yeah. What, what's he saying here? Yeah. He's proposing a 1 million uni token distribution, same amount as the DeFi fund, uh, for the removal of established cranial follicles. He's talking about shaving his head. So he wants to be paid 1 million uni tokens to shave his head. So he's making a farce out of the whole DeFi uh, education fund uh, thing. And, and he's kind of just making a, a, trying to, you know, use satire as a tool to illustrate what the problems perhaps were with the DeFi education fund proposal. Well, what are the, the problems? Process. What do you think? You know, in, perhaps some insider dealing, some, you know, some, some people that are inside the industry talking to other people who are having you know, a privileged position saying, Hey, like accept this proposal, like use my legitimacy to accept the proposal and then send us the money again. Like the money hasn't been, to my knowledge, hasn't been allocated anywhere. And so maybe the biggest error was that they just sold the tokens faster than they originally communicated. Maybe they're, maybe, maybe they don't have a good treasury management team in place. And so maybe the, the whoever was in charge of, of the uni tokens got spooked by the market and was like, oh, I've got to sell all these before the market goes down. Maybe, maybe there was some immaturity in treasury management. I don't really know. Um, but, you know, a, a lack of standardization and best practices was definitely present. Uh, I think the story, it could fizzle out into nothing. It could turn into a much bigger story. I don't really know. What's interesting about this though, but it, isn't this just like um, token vote? Yep. Like, isn't this how token votes work? Mm -hmm. Right. Like the token votes are essentially like shareholders of the protocol mm -hmm. and they get to vote on how the treasury is used. Right. right. Like that's what a governance um, token is for. Mm -hmm. So at some level, like, I'm not surprised that um, whales are dictating governance proposals, right? Because that's the design right. of token vote protocols, right? And like, the reason I say that is because sometimes I'm a little bit annoyed or bothered when people talk about like decentralized governance, at, you know, to and equate that with with um, token vote. No, it's not quite decentralized governance, right? It's like open, permissionless. Right governance, but it's the same core governance mechanism we use to C-Corps mm -hmm. and a set of shareholders and board of directors. And there definitely needs to be some accountability in all of those processes. But um, I guess part of me is like not surprised that whales can push through a vote because of course they can. Yeah. And I think maybe, maybe this is no different. Maybe this is kind of the status quo, but importantly, we can all see it. We can all see it happening. And so if we don't like that, the community, you know, raises a hubbub, which is definitely what's happened. 
Yeah. So we'll have to see how this progresses, but uh, definitely interesting. Um, David, this is cool. Brazil SEC has just approved an Ethereum ETF. It's 100% Ethereum. When SEC, when US SEC, are you going to allow us to have even a Bitcoin ETF? Let's start there. Mm -hmm. We're falling behind. Is the US just going to be the last country to have crypto ETFs in, in it? Like, I remember asking Hester Purse when she was on the podcast, like, yo, like the longer and longer, I said, yo, I did not say yo. Um, <laughs> the longer and longer that the US does not have a Bitcoin ETF or, or a crypto ETF, the more and more it becomes like a political statement, right? And she completely rejected that premise. But my conspiracy hat is still on. Like to some degree, like the US is the last country that technically wants crypto ETFs because it uh, subverts the dollar. And, it'll, and they're on the, on the right path to literally becoming the last country with a crypto ETF. Well, you do have to ask why. And so I don't know what the explanation is. That's one possible explanation, but it is super weird that all of these other countries are getting crypto ETFs right. and the US doesn't have one. Are the US the wants the, the crypto ETF the most, as in, I mean, the, the US populace at least, right? And so like the US regulators are just not responding at all to what the people want. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see when the big banks start to get involved. Um, what what happens with that? I bet it moves forward. Wouldn't that faster. be ironic? Is that the banks got our, our ETFs before we got our ETFs? Yeah. Stani is saying a new version of the Ave protocol is now in audit. This team just keeps shipping. I'm pretty excited to well, see. Well, this is just a tweet, but I don't. I definitely believe him. Uh, but you know, <laughs> Ani, Ani, or excuse me, Stani just said new version of Ave protocol in audit. I wonder what they got. I wonder what uh, tricks the new version of Ave has. I'm excited to see um, Shapeshift is turning into a DAO. We're going to have Eric Voorhees on the podcast on Tuesday to talk a little bit more about this. Um, but what is this about, David? Yeah, so Shapeshift has had this crazy trajectory, crazy story. Started off as a, a, uh, a place where you could swap tokens in a non-custodial fashion. Um, and so they, you would, um, like, say you wanted to trade, uh, this was very big in 2017. Tra say you wanted to trade Bitcoin for Ether or like Ether for Monero. Uh, these are cross-chain swaps. Uh, so you, you would go to Shapeshift, you would, you know, they would tell them, hey, I have Ether, I want Monero. So they would give you an Ether QR code, you would send your Ether there, you would also give them a Monero deposit address, and they would send Monero back. So it was trusted, but they, it was more or less atomic, right? Like you would send your Ether there, and they would make the trade for you with their own like liquidity providers, their own trading desk, and then they would send you Monero on the other side. Uh, the SEC did not like, or maybe it was the CFTC, can't remember, uh, Regulators did not like that they weren't taking, they, they, there were no user accounts and there were no sign up, no KYC process. And so they had to shut that down uh, and start, you know, forcing uh, people to actually sign up and KYC with them, which kind of ruined the whole value proposition of Shapeshift. Then DEX aggregators came along and Shapeshift turned into, uh, you know, a normal permissioned exchange, which they didn't want to be. And then they became a DEX aggregator. And that happened. That was the last, actually, the last time we had Eric Voorhees on the show. Uh, was when Shapeshift turned into a DEX aggregator. Uh, one of the benefits is that with DEX aggregators, you can go back to the model of not having KYC information forced upon your clients. Uh, so people can just sign up, just like and we use Matcha or OneInch, you can now use uh, you know, uh, Shapeshift. Now, Shapeshift is going into a DAO. So they're trying to just cut out all of this, the, you know, the, the company basically, and turn their, their organization into a DAO. Lots of questions here. How does this even work? You already have a company. How do you turn that company into a DAO, right? This is not like 
Bankless LLC spinning up Bankless DAO. We spun up Bankless DAO separately. We kept the LLC. What's going on with Shapeshift is that they are turning the LLC into a DAO. Uh, why are they doing this? I don't know. How are they doing this? I don't know. We're going to find out on the State of the Nation on Tuesday with Eric Voorhees. Yeah, he's he, Eric Voorhees, whenever you talk to him, I, I love that he always starts with values and mm-hmm. principles, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, um, unorthodox, but it is the only way to maintain fidelity, talking about shapeshift, decentralizing, um, is uh, the most important principles of crypto is why they're doing this, specifically self-sovereignty over money. Without that principle upheld, we're all just LARPing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm excited to have that conversation. Give me good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David, let's turn to NFTs. American Express is doing NFT nfts as a credit card uh, perk yeah so uh, weird interesting very weird the company is offering its cardholders a chance to purchase 14 unique digital images from from a recent performance by the r&b singer za that's the perk. SZA. SZA. no no it's za <laughs> you boomer really it's, yes <laughs> no it's SZA, isn't it <laughs> no it's i'm pretty sure it's za okay one of, oh God, one of us is right, one of us is one wrong. Us is I'm wrong. pretty sure it's me. And we're all doubling down. I'm pretty sure it's me. All right, um, well, you know what? We're not even gonna Google this. We're gonna just let yeah. um, let comments. Twitter will let us know. <laughs> all right, anyway, what's what's the story here? Oh gosh, a, a very weird perk, right? Like do American Express card holders really want ZAW NFTs? Uh, I'm gonna go with no, they don't. Um, not really the right pro- perk for the for the specific clientele, but you know. But they're, they're trying. They're, they're, they're trying, they're trying. I guess that's interesting. This, I think, is much more product market fit. So Space Jam is getting NFTs. New Space Jam movie coming out. It's going to be accompanied by NFTs. Super cool. I think the meme protocol is involved with this as well. You can claim a free NFT right now. You might just get a legendary LeBron is the tweet heading. Uh, Pretty cool. What's happening here? Yeah, uh, they are launching an, an official NFT collection for the Space Jam movie, uh, which I didn't even know was getting a sequel. Uh, I'm not sure Space Jam needed a sequel, but I guess it's getting <laughs> it. Um, uh, ho- hopefully, every 20 years or so, yeah, whatever. I, I guess so. 30 yeah. years. Um, uh, and so we'll we'll see what's going on with this. Yeah. All right. Super cool. Let's go Bitcoin stuff. So Jack Dorsey wants to build a Bitcoin hardware wallet. Definitely doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the hardware wallets were an unfinished product problem in this space. I kind of considered hardware wallets as generally a solved problem. But, yeah, I don't know what yeah. he's going to do to add to it. You know, it would be cool, I think, if Square's listening, Jack Dorsey, if you're listening, uh, go build a really awesome smart contract wallet. Right. That'd yes. be cool. It's all software. Yes. yes. Yeah. The, and the, the, the competitive landscape for smart contract wallets is rich, especially with all of these L2s, right? Like new playing field. Absolutely. It's that would be way cooler. But, you know, he'll get there. Okay. All right. Bitcoin. All right. Cool. Let's Regulation, TradFi. Let's talk about this. Uh, the former New York Stock Exchange president is taking a crypto exchange public via a SPAC, which is interesting. This, this exchange is going to be called Bullish. Um, what's crazy about this, David, is... A whopping nine billion dollar valuation for an exchange. It's not DeFi. This is something more akin to maybe a Coinbase that hasn't launched yet, has no users, no volume, no, no revenue, no branding. Bullish. Yeah, I don't name know. Name is bullish. I am not bullish. I'm not I, bullish. You're absolutely. Might yeah. be trying too hard if you're calling yourself bullish. Maybe I'm just being overly skeptical here, David. But like. What, what is this? I know obviously crypto banks are huge, like Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken. These are all very successful businesses, but you you have to go 
beat these other right. organizations and you're starting with nothing and you're right. already valued at $9 billion, what gives? Right. Like Coinbase is already public. Like all these other exchanges, they've they've gone through some of the trials of getting a, an exchange up and running. They've already uh, overcome some of the obstacles. All of a sudden there's this brand new crypto exchange with a terrible name valued at $9 billion. What the reason why it's valued at $9 billion is because um, Block One is an investor into this back and Block One is the company that spun out EOS and took $4 billion of incoming revenue to make EOS and then turned it into Bitcoin, didn't sell it. And then that Bitcoin has now, you know, gone up in price. And so I think, I, uh, if I remember correctly, they are putting $6 billion into this SPAC for some reason. There's something going on behind the scenes on this story that is not making it to the forefront. Uh, and so we, it will be a story that we will have to keep tabs on. Um, anyways, through line, not bullish on bullish. <laughs> that is the through line. I am bullish on this though. Fidelity Digital Assets. This is a um, a bank that's been in the crypto space for a long time, like 2015 or even before. They are planning pioneers, a big pioneers. yeah pioneers a big head account boost in response to institutional interest in crypto. That's two levels of bullishness. So one, they're seeing this institutional uh, interest, right? And two, Fidelity is just hiring like mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, cool to see that. Yeah, it's hard to uh, claim that the whole institutions are coming as a meme when you see Fidelity Digital Assets hiring as many as 100 employees to help bolster cryptocurrency projects in response to institutional demand, right? Like, no, it's, if institutions are coming, that's not a meme. They're, they're actually here. Like, yeah. Fidelity wouldn't just randomly hire 100 people if it actually wasn't legitimate. No, they're making another big bet here. They are doubling, tripling down on this. Um, let's talk about inflation, David. Did you know we are at 5 0.4% CPI inflation year over year as of uh, this month. I think those are uh, for the month of June, year ending June. Like this is probably 10% higher than what anybody anticipated. Getting hot. 5.4% is getting hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're just another doubling away from double digits here. I don't know that that's going to happen, but this is something that is going to impact not just crypto, but everything. Everything, right. And I want to learn more about like why this is happening, what the story behind inflation actually is too. I saw a funny meme about this earlier where it, it talked about how like economists and the Federal Reserve, they're all super surprised about five point, almost 5.5% inflation. Where meanwhile, Bitcoiners were telling, were telling the, you know, the whole entire world that this was coming for the last three years. Bitcoiners know the economy better, like the inflation schedule better than, you know, economists, right? And I was at, uh, at the Bankless Dow meetup on LA. I, I, had, I thought what I thought was a pretty good take is that if the, the number one thing that Bitcoiners are right about is the fiat commentary, commentary on fiat money and like the value yeah. of the dollar and the inflation of the dollar. They are on the ball when it comes to you know, fiat monetary policy and inflation more than they are about Bitcoin. They are more knowledgeable <laughs> about the dollar than they, than they are about crypto, which is hilarious. That's my hot take. Uh, uh, anyways, we are actually recording with Lynn Alden on Monday about this specific topic about inflation. Um, 
And this conversation has proliferated into all corners of, of finance, right? I follow some of the, uh, you know, big Twitter accounts in the, the TradFi space who kind of just do commentary on, you know, um, just Wall Street culture and, and finance culture. And they all are just making a complete farce out of the Federal Reserve and the, infl and the world of inflation, right? Everyone who's observing, the, the individuals, the humans, rather than the, the firms or the regulators, no one is surprised about inflation. It makes sense to everyone. And every, all these, all the individuals, all the, the, you know, the meme accounts, the Twitter accounts are making fun of, you know, economists and, and Fred board members about their surprise about inflation or talking about how they're trying to say, like, inflation's transitory or no, just kidding. Inflation is good. They keep on changing their, their approach as to inflation. Meanwhile, the people know. The people who are paying attention figure it out. Like the value of the dollar is declining and the, the, the powers that be are trying to ascribe some sort of, you know, reasoning or rationale to it, it when in reality, it like, no, it like, this is just what's going on in the world of the 2020s. The, the value yeah. of the dollar is declining. And it's absolutely something I think people need to wrap their heads around in order to be equipped, equipped to uh, survive and thrive in the 2020s. Because an inflationary world is going to be a different world. We had asset inflation last decade. It looks like this decade might be seeping into consumer price index inflation. Uh, so it's something everyone needs to be cognizant of. We're going to continue to talk about this. You know, I, I ran across this story in one of um, one of the newsletters I read. This is. Um, Fintech is, is um, basically trying to get better access to Fedwire, which is the, the payment system that undergirds the entire US banking system. Um, so Fintech, if you're a, a you know, PayPal or a, a Square, uh, any Fintech company, you want better access to using Fedwire directly. Well, the banks don't want this. The banks want um, are lobbying for tighter controls on fintech in their access to federal banking system. Basically, they're saying, no, you have to be a bank and you have to walk through all of the hoops, uh, step through all of the hoops that we have stepped through in order to have this privilege. You know, what's so interesting about this, David, is as fintech and the banks kind of fight on this, um, like the banks are threatened by fintech, but they're going to absolutely win this battle. But they're just going to push fintech into the DeFi. arms of DeFi, right. is my oh. take. Right? Oh, we because won't. We can't use Fedwire. We'll just use USDC. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not sure that the banks are fully equipped for for mm. the next battle that's coming. But I do think a battle will come there, and the banks are not going to like it right. if if fintech starts using USDC for um, banking, bypassing the banking system. Uh, there's going to be some issues. And I, I wonder how regulators and, and the U.S. is going to handle all this, but it's interesting to see. Yeah, DeFi and um, crypto, it's like the ultimate escape hatch. It's like, oh, regulation got in the way of what I wanted to do. I'll just go do it in DeFi. Yeah, absolutely. All right, David, let's go some through some quick um, ultrasonic news here. Alchemix, A, uh, all ETH vaults, they're back up. They're already maxed out. Mm -hmm. um, pretty crazy. That They had an issue where they had to take them down, but now they're up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they had that little uh, bug where you could accidentally uh, withdraw your collateral after you minted Al-ETH. Uh, that, that's in the rearview mirror. Now you, can, now you can mint Al-ETH again. Those vaults are back up and running, already oversubscribed. They'll need to raise the uh, debt ceiling in order to keep that going. Uh, congrats, Alchemix. Um, Binance squeeze is getting a little tighter. Italy joins the list of, of countries and global regulators that are warning against Binance, a continuation of a story that we've started over the last couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, Binance, not really domiciled anywhere. Uh, and the regulators of the world don't like it. And so they're squeezing Binance. 
David, you do this one, Bitcoin, uh, right. more hash rate migration. What's happening here? Yeah, so BIT Digital migrating 14,500 Bitcoin mining units to the U.S. after China cracked down. Um, so continuation of the great westward migration of hash power, which also brings us to our next story, which is minor migration towards Ohio and nuclear power. And so I, Ohio is spinning up, uh, not the state of Ohio, in inside of Ohio, not, not from the actual state representatives or anything. Uh, in the state of Ohio, there is a new nuclear power plant getting uh, powering a Bitcoin mining facility. Uh, and so the my, it's Chinese dirty coal mined hash power getting replaced by U.S. domiciled clean nuclear hash power. So I consider that a win. Hey, last thing. This is cool. Uh, MetaMask just turned five. I can't believe it. Congrats, MetaMask. Happy first, fifth birthday. That's really old. Ethereum's six years old. old. <laughs> yeah. And and look, MetaMask, just it still feels like a kind of a brand new product in, right. in some ways. And it's already five. Wow. Congrats to Dan Finley and the uh, MetaMask team. Guys, we are going to be back with some hot takes. We're going to start with a take from Jackson Palmer that you do not want to miss. Mm -hmm. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. When you shop for plane tickets, you probably use Kayak, Expedia, or Google to compare ticket prices. So why would you limit yourself to just one exchange when you trade crypto? When you make your trades, you want to make sure that you are getting the best possible price on your trade and that you aren't paying high gas costs that you could have otherwise avoided. That's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible prices without taking any commissions. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your order across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single easy to use platform. Matcha also allows for you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. New to Matcha is an integrated fiat on-ramp so you can purchase crypto directly with your credit or debit card and have that fiat be instantly traded for any token that has liquidity. When you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless and connect your wallet to start getting the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. All right, guys, we are back with the takes of the week. Let's start with this one. This one echoed around the t Twitter sphere. And I think it was beyond far 
beyond uh, crypto Twitter circles. This is a take from Jackson Palmer. I'm going to just start reading the thread. First off, Jackson Palmer is the creator of Dogecoin. Uh, so he's the guy that originally forked Bitcoin, called it Dogecoin, and that's how we have Dogecoin. He used to do a whole bunch of crypto education videos. I don't know if you saw these in the early days, but I remember tracking, following him, give good commentary, good education. So, but he left crypto quite famously a few years ago. And this is his comment on why he left. I am often asked if I will return to cryptocurrency or begin regularly sharing my thoughts on the topic again. My answer is a wholehearted no, but to avoid repeating myself, I figure it might be worthwhile briefly explaining why here. After studying it for years, I believe that cryptocurrency is an inherently right-wing, hyper-capitalistic technology built primarily to amplify the wealth of its proponents through a combination of tax avoidance, diminished regulatory oversight, and artificially enforced scarcity. Despite claims of decentralization, in quotes, the cryptocurrency industry is controlled by a powerful cartel of wealthy figures who, with time, have evolved to incorporate many of the same institutions tied to the existing centralized financial system they supposedly set out to replace. The cryptocurrency industry leverages a network of shady business connections, bought influencers, and pay-for-play meals to perpetuate a cult-like get-rich-quick funnel designed to extract new money from the financially desperate and naive. I will go on. Financial exploitation undoubtedly existed before cryptocurrency but cryptocurrency is almost purpose-built to make the funnel of profiteering more efficient for those at the top and less safeguarded and less safeguarded for the vulnerable. Cryptocurrency is like taking the worst parts of today's capitalistic system, for example, corruption, fraud, inequity, uh, inequality, excuse me, and using software to technically limit the use of interventions like audits, regulation, taxation, which serve as protections or safety nets for the average person. Lose your savings account password? Your fault. Fall victim to a scam. Your fault. Billionaires manipulating markets. They're geniuses. This is the type of dangerous free-for-all capitalism cryptocurrency was unfortunately architected to facilitate since its inception. But these days, even the most modest critique of cryptocurrency will draw smears from the powerful figures in control of this industry and the ire of retail investors who they've sold the false promise of one day being a fellow, fellow billionaire. Good faith debate is near impossible. For these reasons, I simply no longer go out of my way to engage in public discussion regarding crypto. It doesn't align with my politics or belief system, and I don't have the energy to try and discuss that with those unwilling to engage in a grounded conversation. I applaud those with, ener- with the energy to continue asking the hard questions and applying the lens of rigorous skepticism all technology should be subject to. New technology can make the world a better place, but not when decoupled from its inherent politics or societal consequences. Wow. Wow. What a thread. What's your take? So many, so many. Uh, So Jackson Palmer left the industry in 2018. And so uh, he, in my opinion, has a 2017, 2018 perspective as to what crypto is. A lot of what he is saying, I feel is very much coming out of when all of what he was saying was exactly true. In 2017, 2018, we didn't have DeFi and we really just had, you know, big players, um, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, Bitmain was a big player. We had, the Binance was a big player. Bitmex, Arthur Hayes, like a lot of what he was saying is is totally true. It's uh, absolutely totally true, and it's a part of the crypto world that we are trying to leave behind and grow and mature out from. And that has been the story of crypto, in my opinion, since Jackson left in 2018. And so he's critiquing an old version of crypto that still exists to this day, 
um, but is becoming less and less about the more the core part of what crypto it may, means to be crypto. He talks about how it doesn't agree with his politics and how he talks about how crypto is like a bastion for right wing hyper capitalism. That's not what I see. That's not what I see at all. And I'm I'm somebody who would very much get very turned off by far right wing politics in hyper capitalism. Like I I used to be a hardcore socialist. Uh, I've grown up since then. But the point is I'm I'm lean left, and the economics and capitalism of crypto really resonates with me. Uh, and I really think that Jackson is missing uh, the core part of what crypto has turned into in 2020 and 2021 that completely answers to what his problems are in the first place. Um, and also one of the, one of the, which cool, is what, by the way, is it DeFi? Yeah. De- DeFi, DeFi, tra- in- DeFi and transparency. And, and, and one of the reason, one of the things he was talking about is like how like crypto just enables all the worst about financial markets or does it just make it really transparent? Right. And we can actually see all of the nefarious negative things better than we otherwise could have. And that's what Jackson is disillusioned by. Like, no, it's actually the same, but we can see it all better. And now we can self-correct as an industry. Right. And so with, you know, transparency and DeFi, the creator economy, which is direct in direct opposition to all of the negative things that Jackson is talking about. The creator economy is about enabling the individual, financing the individual, rewarding the bottom up rather than the top down. Jackson is, is just illustrating a part of the crypto world that hasn't fixed its own problems yet, yet it is doing that. The whole DAO movement, and Glenn, Glenn Weil retweeted this thread. Glenn Weil, who's an economist, part of the radical markets movement, retweeted this thread and is like, you know, really great points. And, I've, and I commented under Glenn Weil and said, you know, this is largely considered unnuanced and outdated by people in the industry. Uh, and Glenn said, yes, but I agree with that, but also I still agree with Jackson's thread. Anyway, anyways, um, Jackson doesn't pay attention to crypto anymore. Uh, and he he left, he, and I don't, don't even think that he really came to crypto in the same way, it, it, with the best intentions in the first place. Rem, just a big reminder, Jackson Palmer is a software developer who took the Bitcoin code base, forked it, changed a couple parameters, called it Dogecoin, and now people are treating him as if he is the most knowledgeable person on the planet. The, no, the guy just forked Bitcoin and the big, biggest innovation that he did was he called it a meme instead of Litecoin or Ripple or something. He, the innovation was calling it out and was naming it after something funny. Uh, and so like as somebody who is giving opinions about this, what, what this space could be and is, like Jackson's, he's not dumb. He's a smart guy, but also who is he? He's not really an authority. Uh, and so for, just because he's the creator of Dogecoin, he's getting a lot more attention than otherwise would be deserved. Yeah, I think those. I I think that's definitely a good take. You know what what I saw seeing this is kind of uh, two two major critiques, right? A first half and a second half. In the first half, he's talking about like basically crypto bankers, I mm-hmm. think, yep. and this tendency to consolidate, which is sort of a a, a Bitcoin thing, and um, CZ Sam Bankman Fried. Yeah, and generally I think people I don't find myself aligned with, and yeah. especially the bankless movement doesn't find themselves aligned with. Exactly. And uh, the other thing he's talking about is, um, is scammers who've jumped into the industry. And there, there are tons of scammers. There are people, you know, that have nefarious projects and, you know, projects that aren't creating a better, more decentralized uh, world, but it's just kind of marketing and hype and there's not much substance to it, right? That's another critique. Mm. So that's the first part. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. Like, yep. Yeah, crypto has these things, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but the first part of his thread just focuses on all the bad. Right. And none of 
none of his uh, thread focuses on any of the good things and the benefits that crypto brings, the openness. It's, it's the like he's denying that they even exist. He is not acknowledging them at all. And so you could look at any industry, David, and like, just be like, yeah, I mean, corners of the internet. I mean, like terrible things happen in, in corners of the internet. If you're, if you're just magnifying those things, then you could say the internet is a horrible innovation, set humanity back and is, you know, terrible, a terrible thing. So that's the first part. The second part is, is interesting where, you know, he says, lose your savings account password. It's your fault. Fall victim to a scam. Your fault. Billionaires manipulating markets. They're geniuses. You know, he's kind of talking about some of the early, um, UX problems of, of crypto. Right, like we have to build this entire thing on a decentralized, trustless system, where there are costs for losing your 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 private keys. Otherwise, we get centralization. But like user experience is, is moving beyond these things, and I, I I just get to the point of like I feel like it's almost like Jackson is judging cryptos. Imagine if uh, it was the the birth of the internet, right? And um, somebody created uh, you know, some sort of news article that criticized the internet for all of these email scams, like Nigerian print scams. Right. And we get all of this spam and isn't this spam terrible? And people are, innocent people are like clicking these links and like the penis enlargement pill didn't work <laughs> and all of these things, right? Like, and you just emphasize that. Right. And you're like, and there aren't so any singles in my area. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> let's throw the whole thing out because of those things. Um, I feel like that's kind of what he's, no, um, spam filters will get better, right? right? The scams will be processed out. Mm -hmm. um, like people will learn mm -hmm. the difference between spam and real email and they won't click on the singles in my area and it'll all get better. So just right. be patient, just it's, wait a little bit. It's just this whole entire thread just seems clouded with pessimism here. Uh, and, and Anthony Susano retweeted this, uh, this thread and said, oh, Jackson Palmer, who is like kind of, if you read between the lines, kind of a, like on the very far left, kind of radical left side, like, oh, Jackson Palmer hates capitalism. More news at 11. Like this is kind of a guy who just is a representative of closer to what I would say the far left, the radical left, radical-ish left. Uh, and he's, he's it's, betting things that are having to do with money. I think it's made waves in like um, radical left circles. And my worry about this is with when you, when you have um, Elizabeth Warren talking about this is like my, everything in America is getting politicized right. these days. Mm -hmm. uh, and this this, um, right. this comment in particular where he talked about it's a far right movement. Crypto is not a far right movement. It's just crypto. It's just not. It's yeah. it's completely apolitical. It's anti-authoritarian. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, right. a, it's a movement about self-sovereign individuals and self-sovereign community. Right. Absolutely. It's a movement for the people. It is not a far right movement. I did not come to crypto to participate in politics. Okay. But like, here's the thing, not that kind of politics, right? Like, but, um, here's the thing. If this gets painted mm -hmm. as something that can be like canceled right. by one political group or another, right. um, I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. It'll be an interesting, uh, I guess yeah. season or time. Um, and I feel like this is sort of the waves of that maybe building right now. This, this, to me, this feels the same energy of that will, uh, that Elizabeth Warren rant where she just ranted about Bitcoin and crypto, where almost everything she said was just like wrong. Like, feels like the same energy to me. Here's the thing what is the solution to these things, right? So, ignore them. Uh, ignore them. I mean, like, when he's talking about, like, what about really, our existing financial <laughs> system? That is fraught with scams. Right. Billionaires manipulating markets. Right. They're doing this right. in the stock market right now. 
um, lose your savings account to password. How about losing 5% of your savings to inflation every year? Right. Right. Like right. what's the solution here? Right. Jackson. Cause we're building a solution. Yeah. Say something positive, Jackson. Stop being such a <laughs> negative Nancy. All right. That's enough of that. Anyway, long thread. What about this? Uh, crypto exchange FTX sets sites on blue chip acquisitions. The, the take here is it looks like F <laughs> Uh, SBF from uh, FTX. Freed, yeah. He wants to go buy Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. And the take is that's not a good thing. <laughs> or is it like, even rational? <laughs> like that's my okay, you 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 we I think we have different approaches to this take. What's your take? All right. So here here's my take. So Sam Bankman Fried wants to buy Goldman Sachs. I have no idea if he can actually do that or not, no, right? Like that's my take, FT but we'll get, okay, we'll but, get to that. But, but first of all, give him five years, give him ten years. I don't care. CZ yeah, you know, Sam Bankman Freed, whatever. Um, I don't understand why crypto is cheering this on. What I see, David, is a, a new class of bankers being established and creating a new system where they are the elites in charge. And rather than have Jamie Dimon of uh, JP Morgan, we get SBF of FTX. And it's the same banking system, except it has right. some uh, crypto rails underneath, like Bitcoin and all of this, but the rest mm -hmm. of it's centralized. That is not the crypto vision. That is not the bankless vision. That is not what I'm signing up for. Right. And I'm frankly, I'm tired of the industry cheering this sort of thing on because it's not good. Right. I think crypto banks and crypto bankers can easily become the, the villains that we are essentially rebelling against right, right. now. And that's a real threat that um, I don't think the, the crypto industry is uh, taking into full account. That's my take. This, my, my take is that this feels very Elon Musky, as in he just like says some very grandiose things. And because he has this like branding and track record behind him, all of a sudden people take it as legitimate. FTX is not going to buy Goldman Sachs. It's not <laughs> going to happen. FTX is a, is a cryptocurrency exchange valued at like seven or 8 billion. Goldman Sachs is valued at like 70 billion. He also talks about and buying the CME, which is another $70 billion company. I'm sorry. Goldman Sachs is 135. 135, yeah. right. Okay, so he, he between Goldman Sachs and CME, that's $200 billion valuation <laughs> that FTX wants to buy. FTX is valued at $7 billion. Those do not compute. Uh, and so what Sam is saying is like, well, yeah, well, when you know my company, FTX, is going to grow, also the cryptocurrency industry is going to grow. FTX has probably has a bunch of crypto on the balance sheet. Crypto is going to 100x, and then we're going to buy them. That's the, if, if we weren't already in crab season, that would be the biggest top signal of all time. It's like, <laughs> no, Sam, you're 29 years old. You're not buying Goldman Sachs. Like, go home and take a nap. There you go. Two different takes. Maybe some accuracy in both of them. Maybe. <laughs> David, I know there's accuracy in this one. Uh, give us your take here. Uh, this is uh, a tweet from my favorite Twitter account, me. Uh, we are just one <laughs> paycheck period away from EIP 1559. So you got one last paycheck to buy ETH before we start burning it. Wow, that's a good take. Uh, we're going to end takes with that one. Super cool. So let's talk about what we are excited about. What are you excited about this week, David? Uh, I'm about to take a flight to France, which will be my first ever trip to Europe, going to ETHCC. Uh, I'm super stoked for ETHCC. Uh, this was the uh, conference that I've wanted to go to, but I haven't been able to go to. Now I'm finally going. Uh, I am bringing my microphone and my setup. I'm going to record a bankless podcast there for all the people that are going to miss out on ECC who didn't get a ticket because tickets sold out so damn fast. Uh, we The bankless, uh, bankless podcast is going to produce 
the ETHCC experience. Uh, so if you weren't able to experience ECC, we're going to get that done for you. Uh, so it's going to be three days, the 20th, 21st, and 22nd, all in France, right in the heart of France, in Paris. Uh, and like almost everyone who, you know, all the big names in DeFi and crypto are going to be there. Uh, and I'm really excited to just like experience a, a Paris, never been to Paris. Uh, and also I love crypto conferences. Crypto conferences are so much fun. Uh, it's basically a festival of, you know, crypto culture. And I just find myself vibing in that environment. So I'm really stoked for it. I'm, I'm excited that you're going, David, because I feel like I'm going to be able to experience it too. Mm. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of the hermit, you know, I'm not, I'm not traveling these days very much and mm. I'm living vicariously through you. So I'm excited <laughs> to, to, to hear that podcast and uh, hear about your experiences there. All right, Ryan, what are you excited about? I'm excited that Uniswap shipped on Optimism because, um, we, and we're, we, there's an article in Bankless that, um, will have already been published by the time you guys are listening to this about the experience of, of optimism, but DeFi is switching architecture, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. And this with Arbitrum, with optimism, this is the first time I feel like, uh, hey, we're going to make it. Is it going to mm -hmm. be okay? Mm -hmm. Like layer two, not just coming, it's here. Mm -hmm. And for those that have been in crypto or Ethereum for a long time, you know that layer two has been promised forever and there have been so many disappointments i remember thinking for a while you know state channels would be sort of the solution but it turns out good for payments I, not a lot of adoption there's some issues I, I remember thinking plasma would be the way out and getting really excited about some projects that were developing this new plasma architecture um turned out that had major problems it feels like we've been waiting 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 and then the hope was in roll-ups and like are they actually going to ship it was almost I, like you know, should we even hope? Exactly, <laughs> I've been yeah. disappointed so many times. Uh, now they're here. Now they work. You can actually use them. This is uh, super gratifying. I just feel like um, layer two Ethereum scaling. We're going to make it, fam. It's going to be okay. Totally. DeFi is going to re-architect and it's going to work out. I forgot to say this while we were showing, while we were demoing uh, the transactions on uh, Optimism earlier in the show, but like the fact that we are actually showing what Optimism is on video on the show. Yeah. We're here. Like, this is it. We're like, we made it. Like, yay. Like, celebrate. Like, it took us years to get here. Uh, and, and so the fact, that we've, the fact that we finally have it and can actually prove it. I, I remember doing POV crypto with Christian and he's talking about, oh, yeah, great. Like, another Ethereum thing that you guys are promising. Like, I'll, I'm not going to hold my breath. And, and I was like, <laughs> A, like, damn it. Good point because it's not here yet. But also, B, it's totally going to come. But, you know, for the last three years, kind of kind of took it on faith that, like, you know, scaling was actually going to come. Not sure. I, I never. Not certain. Oh, I, I never doubted it. I just didn't really? know when. Like, I knew scaling was coming. Was it coming in 2018, 2019, 2025? I don't really know. Always knew that it was coming. Glad is finally here. But it's one of those things where, like, you know, you don't bet against Ethereum. Like, that's how you lose. Uh, and now we finally got the scale. Uh, we act like after, I think you, you and I have been doing this at least for nine months where we are having like, oh, L2's coming, guys. L2's yeah. coming, guys. Like on the bank of the show, weekly roll up, L2's coming. No, 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 L2. On this, as of this show, L2's here. Hey, David, I feel like that with a lot of things. I mean, like 2021 is kind of mm -hmm. the year for that. Remember right. uh, you wrote that- All happens uh, at once. Ethereum's missing puzzle piece is EIP-1559 and talking mm -hmm. about its monetary policy. You wrote that like two years ago, over right. two years ago. It's like- now the puzzle piece is coming, right? right? Mm -hmm. And we have staking, triple point asset, things we were right. talking about are happening. It's really exciting. And now layer two is happening. Scalability is happening. Super cool. 
All right, man, let's get to the meme of the week. That's what the people have been waiting for. That's why people watch this uh, roll up. It's for the meme of the week. <laughs> what are we looking at this week? We are looking at a meme of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I actually wasn't familiar with this meme format. I think this might just be right out of the uh, creative head of Michael Wong. But we have uh, the, the Beast who is, you know, dying on the floor. And the Beast is titled Old Random Wallet. You know, your old Ethereum wallet that you forgot about, maybe your first pri set of private keys. And the, the, uh, pri the old Ethereum wallet says, you came back. Uh, and then uh, Bell? Bell? Yes, is that Bell. her name? Bell? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, someone here clearly has kids. <laughs> uh, and Bell, who's holding her old smart or her, her old wallet, goes, uh, Of course I came back, except Bell is labeled me checking for airdrops. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of these wallets that you forgot you even mm -hmm. had that you only go and search for as soon as you hear right. of some airdrop that, that mm -hmm. might have come to you. Yep. Um, I mm -hmm. think people are probably doing that with. Um, Fox uh, tokens, with, Fox token airdrop. Yeah, Fox yep. tokens mm -hmm. with um, the Eric Voorhees mm -hmm. airdrop, shapeshift, uh, yep. shapeshift airdrop. So mm -hmm. yeah, dude, every single time an every airdrop time. happens, how many wallets? God. I mean, it does pay to be disorganized when it comes to your crypto wallets. Let me tell you, you have wa wallets tend to uh, to collect mm -hmm. over time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I it, Bankless Twitter tweeted this out, basically like, um, hey, the measure, the the most important measure is, are you more bankless this year than you were last year? And a bunch of people said yes, and you know, some guy goes, yeah, I think I am. And I definitely have way more wallets though. <laughs> That's the thing. You have fewer bank accounts, but mm -hmm. all of these different Ethereum crypto wallets uh, that tend to compile over time. Totally. All right, man, this is Bankless. Um, this is the weekly roll up, guys. Thanks for checking it out. Make sure you like and subscribe if you enjoy the weekly roll ups. David, you want to say something? Yeah, we got a moment of Zen coming. This moment of Zen comes from Ben Jones, who posted this video of him singing uh, and playing the piano at the same time, this wonderful Ethereum-themed song. So here we go, the Bankless Moment of Zen. Welcome to Ethereum, have a look around. Any coin that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of contracts, some better, some worse. If none of them are an interest for you, you'd be the first. Welcome to Ethereum, come and make a tweet. Are you in it for the tech or just to shill your bags of ETH? Let's head straight to mainnet, this isn't a test. <laughs> just hit deploy and the apes do the rest. Welcome to Ethereum, oh what would you prefer? Would you like to buy some stable coins or stake all your ether? Be lending, be loaning, or make NFTs? We've got a million different ways to pay fees. Welcome to Ethereum, you put your tips aside. You won't have to pay the miners, EIP 1559. We've got farmers and arbors and a thing called Ice Age. There's like a million different ways to exchange. Welcome to Ethereum, don't you get too smug Cause that anonymous founder might decide to pull the rug Now it's dropping, he's selling like he never cared Don't act surprised, he said it's buyer beware Contract call reverted, you were sure the price won't slip Stay up late, the market cap keeps falling Thought you bought the dips Send transactions, pay for gas and go to sleep And miss the action, read about account abstraction Don't forget minor value extraction This is not trading advice, but mortgage both your homes Crypto doesn't have under collateralized loans Should you provide liquidity, just take this quirky quiz Vitalik pre-mined all the ETH to feed carbs to your kids could I interest you in finance? That's not nine to five. A little bit of finance that's decentralized. Dumping is a tragedy and pumping is a crime. Wall Street, but transparent and decentralized. Hey, 
we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.